What's happening, everyone? Welcome into another episode of the Final Score Podcast. Greg Swatek here with you, and we are virtually two weeks away from the start of the high school football season. And uh, we're going to do our best to, to give you a good look at uh, what, what you can expect this season here on the podcast. We'll have uh, some, some coaches come in, uh, including Kevin Perry, uh, the head coach of the Frederick uh, Cadets, uh, on, 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 on this podcast uh, uh, today. Uh, Frederick uh, coming off an appearance in the uh, Class 3A state semifinals. So for the first time in about 20 years, uh, we figure Frederick High comes into the season with some real uh, expectations. Uh, the, the, they have uh, their skill players back, a, a very talented core. Uh, They're optimistic that some of their new starters will step right in and, and, and pick up right where last year's team left off. So. Uh, we'll talk uh, to Coach Perry about managing those expectations and just what it's like to go into a season with expectations for the first time in a long time. And uh, Frederick High had over uh, or close to uh, 100 kids at their first practice, uh, which was something Coach Perry can only dream of when he took the job in 2015. So I uh, look forward to chatting with him in just a couple of minutes here. But uh, first, uh, Alexander Dacey, my colleague here, at the Frederick News Post has been uh, hopping around uh, to some practices this week. Uh, I think you were at Ligonor, uh, you were at Tuscarora, you were at uh, Urbana. Just first of all, what, what, what's your take? It's sort of exciting to, to be jumping into another uh, season here. And just what, what are some of your big observations so far? Yeah, well, I mean, everyone's pretty much hitting the ground running, um, you know, with because practice is now being a weekend and it's again like you said it's it's kind of wild to think that in just about two weeks time we'll be having you know uh football fall, friday fall yeah. sports back football fridays um but yeah no i i, I hit up lingonor first on monday and uh i mean that team is as you know as per usual uh you know very well coached they they run a very good practice and it's very very efficient um you know not a lot of downtime and uh, and so, yeah, I mean, that was kind of my first taste of it. And, you know, that's, I mean, that's pretty much about the, about the peak that you're going to see. And it was, you know, it, it was, I mean, it, it almost ran it like it was a, you know, like a college or professional practice. And I mean, they, they know, again, they know what they're doing. Rick's, you know, Rick Connor has been doing this for over 20 years at this point. So, yeah, um, I, I wanted to ask yeah. you about them because they, they return, uh, one of the best running backs in the state last season in, uh, Ethan Arneson, uh, uh, he's back for his junior year, yes. and, and so he he makes them automatically for a uh, formidable uh, team. Um, but they have a lot of new starters too, including uh, their quarterback, who's actually getting a lot of college interest so far. Yeah, so their quarterback is a junior named Christian Petrozello. Uh, he uh, he played a, a handful of games last year when Timmy Connor was injured, and also and you know came in late in a couple blowouts. But this is really his first, you know. They're giving him the reins, and uh, he's a, and I mean, he's got a, he he's got just all the like you know, basic numbers and metrics jump out at you. I mean, he's a junior. He's six three. He's he's not. He's fairly lean. He's pretty lanky, but again, very strong. Um, six three, and he can. He has a big, big arm. Like there were there were a handful. I think he made at least two passes during practice on Monday that went at least fifty yards. Um, so he can really, you know, really air it out, which is going to give Langenor, you know, it, it, you know, assuming, assuming that, you know, that him airing out also does not come with inconsistency, um, which he was hitting his targets most of the time on, on Monday. But, uh, yeah, I mean, he can really air it out and that gives him, you know, a vertical threat. Um, they've also, you know, I mean, they're a run heavy team as per, you know, like usual, um, so they've been working him with, with, with some option, you know, with an option attack, but yeah, I mean, all those numbers just really jump out at you. And, uh, he's had some visits to D one schools, no like formal offers yet. Um, but, uh, you know, again, just, I mean, if, if, I mean, if you're a school and you see a kid that's a junior six, three slinging it, you know, slinging it around and, you know, managing one of the best, you know, one of the best public school teams in the state. I mean that'll draw that'll draw interest. So, and, and some of the high school coaches from around the county that I've talked to, they they've looked at me and said this kid is legit. Like yeah. he he's he's the real deal. Like, um, uh, so we look forward. Like it's interesting the dynamic because he plays for a typically a traditional running school and yeah. a, and a run heavy offense. So we'll, well, it'll be interesting to see how they 
they incorporate him into the office. Not that Timmy Connor couldn't pass yeah. and, and didn't hit big passes, and not that they haven't been able to pass in the past. But uh, but with a with a pretty what could be a pretty high profile quarterback, it'll yeah. be interesting to see how he fits into a a, a run first uh, offense. Uh, a lot of new starters there, but but Ligonor has done this before, where they've returned like two starters and been really good. So <laughs> so I don't know how much we should worry about. Yeah, that. I I wouldn't be too concerned. I think Rick's probably got it under control. Yeah, um, and, we and had, again, they we, looked they all looked sharp and competent in practice. Yeah, so. and we, we we had him on last week, <laughs> and he, and he did he didn't sound uh, too concerned. Um, so it's a team that's been to the state final an amazing four times in a row. So. Uh, so yeah, yeah, Ligonor looks solid. Uh, how about Tuscarora, a team that's uh, been struggling in, in in recent seasons? Uh, w- w- what's their outlook for the season? So Tuscarora, kind of, I I, I guess probably I, the nicest way to put it is they kind of hit you know hit their uh, hit their lowest point last year. I mean they only entered the year with twenty you know twenty two varsity starters. Um, they wanted they won a kind of a close game against TJ, but otherwise didn't do much. They had to forfeit a couple games because of COVID. So it was kind of, you know, for, for, for some, you know, for Curtis Belcher taking over, he took over in the, the, you know, the, the shortened year. He's also the lacrosse coach. Yeah. Also the boys lacrosse coach, Um, you know, for having to basically rebuild this, pro, you know, that program out of effectively nothing like last year was always going to be difficult. Um, they're, uh, they're up to 36 varsity players this okay. year. So, a you know a, a noticeable improvement, and the big thing he told me is that the kids are the kids themselves are recruiting the hallways, which is you know that that's a that that's a good sign, and also that he said they've been taking a more involved role in you know kind of keeping each other accountable and you know making sure that um you you know making sure they're kind of all doing the right things. So that sort of intangible off the field stuff, I guess, is the best way to put it. You know, it, it's in terms of building a culture it's it's it, you know it's getting there so um, we're looking to take another step forward so, this season yeah, yeah so they're definitely again again obviously I did not see them last year but just from everything you know everything I've heard everything I've read um you know they definitely won't be I don't think they will be quite that bad um you know they're still they're still a ways away from being compet you know largely competitive but they will not be you know last year was probably rock bottom uh and they're going to be slowly slowly climbing their way out of that yeah who else uh, you've seen urbana anyone else before we get um, to urbana i'll be at middletown or, yeah. on friday uh, middletown so. on friday and, and they have the great running back uh, carson smith yes um, I'm, I'm interested to see what middletown has around um, carson mm-hmm. this year because because that can make them uh, far more dangerous so um but but, but let's go to urbana and i i guess there might be a Difference on the defensive side of the ball with uh, with Urbana this yeah, year. Yeah, so they have a whole new defensive coaching staff this year, um, and you know it's I mean it's only been a week of practices, but they're they definitely seem to be a bit more aggressive on that end, and you know the the energy again, you know at the practice I was at Wednesday, um, it got cut short because of because of storms, but I mean the, the the defensive drills they were working were pretty high intensity and. And you know everyone seemed to everyone seemed to be getting into it. So uh, did did you get into why they made a wholesale change there? I um know? I I did not because uh, because I, I mean again coming into it I did not actually know that they had right. made that yeah, change. No, but, neither, um, nor did I. Uh, but again, just you know again just just kind of doing a little bit of looking. I mean you know their defense had been you know had had some slip ups the last couple years. So you know I'm guessing that was a you know you know that was just something they felt they needed to to make a move on. Um, but. But you, but you said yeah. Urbana looked pretty good. Yeah, no, they looked they looked pretty good. I mean, they're returning a, a you know the the vast majority of their of their team, and you know last year, I mean last year the the first like two thirds of the season weren't really it wasn't really all that great for them, uh, and they and even then you know like like Brad Wilson and you know a couple of the players I talked to all kind of admitted like you know they were still trying to figure some things out. They weren't gelling, uh, but then you know. But then, but then all of a sudden, around kind of around the, the last game of the season, the Linganore game, and then going to the playoffs, whatever whatever was going on, they they fixed, they figured it out, they played the Linganore super close. That was one of Linganore's only like one score games last year. I think Urbana was even leading at some point, you know, fairly deep into that game. Uh, and then in the playoffs, they you know they they beat Tuscarora. They beat Mount Hebron. And and they took an undefeated Dundalk, Dundalk team yeah. way deep in, you know, way, way deep into that game they were leading. So, again, I mean, you know, 
whatever it was, they turned around. And now it, that team was a lot of sophomores and juniors. Those guys are now, you know, juniors and seniors. So, I mean, they, they you know, they, they won't be, I don't think they won't be like, you know, like a tier one kind of team in the county, but they'll be solid. You know, they're no, they're no, they're no slouch. Um, you know, they'll probably probably finish above 500. So they'll be least. competitive with just about everybody. They'll be competitive with just about everybody. And again, you know, offensively, they're returning, um, you know, uh, four, you know, eight starters, four of their five, you know, starting offensive linemen, uh, a couple wide receivers, and, you know, most importantly, Keegan Johnson, their quarterback. Yeah, their um, their quarterback's a Division One baseball pitcher. Who's a, yes, yeah. who who is a who these the very same Keegan Johnson that we were talking about in the spring, um, you know, who has a you know, D one baseball offer, and uh, he also doubles as their kicker. He was hitting some four, about forty five yard field goals today during, uh, during. Uh, practice so he's, he's left-handed too which, he's, which he's, a le- he's a lefty like a different he, look at quarterback yeah. yeah and i mean he's you know he can really you know he can he can sling it around if needed so i know you know you know in the you know brad wilson always typically favors a pass heavy he um, does a pass heavy he'll so. tell he'll tell you to your face that he doesn't like running the ball he, <laughs> he, he'd prefer to pass so, so so you know with that and then with their top two wide receivers you know returning as well that'll be a um or two of their top three wide receivers returning, that'll be a you know a, a good step forward for them. Yeah, and, and just in the next week in the paper, we'll have our uh, preseason top five, and then uh, we'll start running uh, football previews toward the end of next week. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll have uh, Coach Perry on in just a couple of minutes, and then over the next couple of weeks, we'll we'll hope to have a couple more coaches on too, just just to give you a good look at uh, uh, what to, what to expect sort of heading into uh, the high school football season. So. Alexander, thank you, sir. Uh, uh, keep us apprised on your uh, football practice, uh, uh, your, your, your ventures there. And uh, when we come back, we will talk to a team with some very high expectations. Can Frederick High take the next step or two this season and uh, challenge for a state championship? We'll ask Kevin Perry that in just a couple of minutes. Stay with us here on The Final Score. All right, we are back here on the final score, and my guest this week almost has more players this season than he knows what to do with. Uh, Kevin Perry is in his entering his eighth season as the Frederick High football coach. Uh, welcomed over a hundred kids to the first day of practice last week. Not a bad problem to have, right, Coach? No, not at all. Um, as football goes, kids kind of filter in and out and figure out it might not be for them. So we're not quite at a hundred anymore, but. We're down a little bit, but that's fine. We're still at the record number since I've been there. Yeah, yeah, you had to almost make an instant cut because, uh, as people are learning, there's a nationwide helmet shortage. Yeah, and, and the cut, kind of a benefit for us because um, it, it allows us to kind of intensify practice a little bit and allows for, for some of those kids who need a little extra push, a little extra motivation. They have that now with looking at, oh, man, I don't know if I'm going to make this team, so... Yeah, uh, explain the helmet shortage because for your first practice that I saw, you had some kids in lacrosse helmets. <laughs> yeah, I mean the, the the rush for us, the the crunch time, having the scrimmage on the tenth day and having nine required days of practice for heat acclimatization before the tenth day. Is, we're, it, we're is, it nine, is it nine days now? I thought it was five. It's nine. It's five without full pads. Okay, but gotcha. the first allowed scrimmage date is the tenth day. Um, so it's always a time pinch if you have a kid miss a practice for whatever reason. It's like, well, you're sitting Saturday, um, which is frustrating. But, again, having the, the cuts and having the helmet shortage and things like that kind of allows us to put pressure on the kids to make sure that they're they're up in that. Um, and then having not enough helmets when we first started was uh, Coach Hammond and I, were our athletic director, were trying to brainstorm and figure out a way to make it all work. And some of the suggestions we had were have them work out or split sessions and wash the helmets between sessions and share helmets. And, and none of it was really practical. So the solution we came up with was to use lacrosse helmets um, just for the first two days where there's zero to li- zero, bleh, zero contact, where there's no pads involved. It's really just kind of players on air. Right. Um, and during that time, we used lacrosse helmets for those two days. And then by the third day, we had to make our cuts, which cut us down to using like seven lacrosse helmets down to like two, maybe three. Yeah, because by the time kids start hitting it and stuff and you put the pads on, everyone's got to have a helmet. Right. And then that third day is when we get a little bit more contact. They're allowed to hit bags. They're allowed to hit sleds. They're allowed to do a little bit more. So that's kind of was our marker like, 
all right, we need to make sure that we have real helmets on kids. They're fitted right, which we our staff does a great job with. But there were still three kids that um, we held them out of contact. And they were some of the, the younger kids, the newer kids of the sport, and some of the kids that missed the day. They, they kept those lacrosse helmets. Um, and then by yesterday, we got a, a secret – Top secret um, shipment of helmets. We got 11 helmets in yesterday that were painted our colors. Um, so now every kid has the appropriate, correctly fitted football helmet. Well, did this shipment come from elsewhere in the county? I, I know there's been a lot of phone calls, networking uh, with, with yeah, other it was, uh, in the county. Or... Um, I don't know if, I, if, I, if I'm supposed to share, but it was someone who, who we reached out to a while ago and said they had an emergency. They had a stash of 10 helmets that we were able to get out, get painted, and get back by Wednesday. Um, and I know a lot of coaches have shared and reached out trying to find some, and, and we have none to offer. We have no additional. Like, I have one extra extra large at the moment. One ex- well, I have one extra in each size. Um, and we kind of just use them for repairs and for parts, and, and it's our emergency helmet on the sideline if we need it. Um, <clears throat> and other teams have reached out asking for helmets, and we got nothing to ha- we have nothing for them. And all those teams that might have an abundance and might have a couple extra, they've reached out and said, we have some if you need any in, like, our group chat. Um, and we just, we're good. We don't need them. People are learning more about this and we're going to report on the helmet shortage this week, but just in layman's terms, why is it happening? Uh, the plastics, the resins in the helmet, the plastics from the, the manufacturing shutdown of COVID, um, and then just trying to ship everything in in time. So most of these companies that are bringing things in from overseas are bringing in at a bunch at a time. Um, they're only bringing a set number of shipping containers in, which means they can only fill so much. And that kind of delayed us a whole lot with helmets. And if you placed a helmet order right now, how long would it take you to get it if you weren't going through your quote-unquote secret channels? <laughs> um, we'd be looking at mid-November as, as a best-case scenario. S- season's almost over by that point. I mean, so. at that point, it's over. That's like week three of playoffs. So. Yeah, is it like everything shut down so there's nothing going on, and then everything ramps back up again, and all of a sudden you have this demand that you can't keep up with, right? Is that, is that the issue? Yeah, pretty much. I mean, it's the same thing with the chip shortage that everyone's worried about in, in cars. Um, same thing with some of the food shortages people are concerned about. Um, and, and plastics across the country are, are a little bit down, but that hard resin plastic in helmets seems to be a, a tough one to get. All pandemic uh, related, right? If, if there's no pandemic, you're not dealing with this? or, or? That's, From my understanding, that's what all the, the manufacturers have told me. And, and you talk to, when you hit a helmet shortage, you contact everybody you can. You call Shut, Rydell. Uh, any company that you can think of, any any um, small business that you can think of, any storefront you can think of, you contact everybody, and and they're all kind of saying the same thing. So did the, did this van show up in the dark in the dark of night under secret cover with yeah, with, yeah. with heavily heavily armed? No, it was uh, FedEx. It was just off label, so no one knew what it was. <laughs> <laughs> and a FedEx truck rolled up, and how excited were you to see that FedEx? Oh, truck? it was it was it was actually great timing. Um, what, in the afternoon, or when, when did it show up? It showed up at, like, before the end of the school day, they dropped it off on the loading dock, so we didn't see it in, in the main office like I expected it. So we were out practicing. They had just finished stretching, and the, and the custodians brought the uh, boxes out for us, so we were able to fit kids right there on the field and, and get them rocking. So you all. knew what it was? It, it, yeah. It, it, sigh yeah. of relief or exhilaration, or was that the happiest FedEx <laughs> shipment? Happiest yeah. you ever were to receive a FedEx I'd be uh, happier shipment. if they were um, – if there were 30 helmets in there, I'd be happier. Yeah. Um, do you, do you see no, any more or are you good right now? Uh, we're in good shape right now. Um, we'll see how the season ends. I mean, if, if things continue to go well and the sport continues to grow, we'll probably need it even more next year. Right. When you, when you walk out on the first day of practice and you see kids warming up and stretching and it covers 60, per, 60 yards of your practice field, uh, how, how does that make you feel as a coach? <laughs> Uh, I mean, it, it feels amazing, and, and it's kind of a vision that you always believe in and you always go after, and, and seeing it first for the first time was like, I, I can't believe this. Um, that, that practice field we have is, is smaller than a regulation football field. I've never felt like that space was tight for us until this year where it was – it was like we, it felt like we were practicing in a gym. We're like, all right, we need to back JV up for a period, and then we need to back varsity up for a period so that we can share the space a little better. So it's it's a little more challenging because we have to come up with a plan for how to use the space a little bit better, um, and then turn around and, and beg Coach Hammond and, and the, the other sports teams to use the stadium as often as possible. Wasn't that long ago you were begging kids to play football, and you guys couldn't even field a JV team? Right, and and that transition has been huge. Um, it felt great when we had freshman orientation before school year started. Typically, I'd be chasing kids down in the hallway. I'd be 
finding every kid who looked like a football size, and I'd be, hey, what do you do in the fall? And, and I'd be literally begging kids. Now I sit at the table, and, and I'm still reaching out, and, and I still have that in me, so I'm still following kids that, that look the part, um, but I'm not begging any kid that like would look away originally. I'm not chasing kids down. It's more so a conversation that carries into, hey, man, you should give it a shot. Didn't you have? Didn't you tell me you had kids that wanted to play band so they could play in the pep rally rather than play football? And, and you're like, the pep rally is for <laughs> the, the football. <laughs> my first year, and and it was very frustrating. And I was new to new to Maryland, so at first I blamed Maryland, but then I, I get to know kind of where the status of our school was at. Um, the first year, there were kids that were quitting to participate in the talent show, pretty much. Um, the senior pep rally, they, they were like three or four kids that first year that were like. I'm not doing it this week because we have uh, there. I think Monday we do a senior show, and and they were quitting to practice for that. And I was like, "What are you doing?" It was it was so outlandish to me, and it still is. And it's even some of our down years that we've had a little bit more recently. It's still like uh, it that didn't happen a whole lot. It seemed to just be that first year, right. <clears throat> so when you want you have you have over 100 kids registered now so is is this sort of the when you came to frederick high from pennsylvania in 2015 is this sort of the picture you were always envisioning in the back of your mind yeah um pennsylvania's format is a little bit different different so i mean that, that's what i'm used to that's what i played in that's what i started coaching in um in pennsylvania you're allowed to participate in jv and varsity games in the same season so the the continuity of the JV and the, like they practice four varsity games, and then the JV game would roll around and be on a Monday. So really, it's they practice entirely for the varsity game, and then on Monday, varsity goes and does their game planning, and JV goes plays their game, and then everyone's back together on Tuesday. So that was the kind of way that I always thought football would work. But the way it works for our rules in the MPSSA, we have to be a lot more separated, um, which is is good. There's there's definitely positives to it. You can concentrate more on a bigger group. Um, you can kind of get higher quality reps and then you can still, especially with some of our freshmen and, and our younger guys that are starting football for the first time, you can kind of slow the game down a little bit for them um, and they get, gain a stronger understanding for it. No big shock while your numbers are up and why kids want to play football for Frederick High. You guys had an awesome season last year, 10-3. and three, uh, You were in the state semifinals for, for Class 3A, but, but the numbers seem to be up across the board in the county. I mean, everyone's got almost record numbers there's over 100 kids in the program at almost a lot most of the big schools anyway rate of the bigger schools not that long ago people were saying do i want my football's dying parents were concerned do i really want my kid playing football why why do you think numbers are up across the board this year and and it's not just football i think all sports are way up and and maybe that's uh the kids the student athletes experiencing being locked in their houses for 18 months um, maybe there's just there seems to be a growth in the county. I mean, most of the schools are at capacity or, or more for high schools. Well, what, what's Frederick High at? Do you know student population? Yeah. A week ago, we were at 1792 with 100 students currently enrolling. I don't I don't know exactly. So, what so that you guys are at. pushing 4A too, right? If we reclass right now, we'd be in the 4A bracket. Wow. So mm-hmm. it's just growth in the growth in yeah, the county. And, yeah. And the way our enrollment rolls, it, it I mean, most schools kind of slow down mid September ish as as school year kicks off. Uh, we'll we'll slow down, but we won't stop. We'll have kids enrolling throughout the entire year. All right, so that helps too. If you have more kids, you have more kids. I mean, at that point, football, right? I can't yeah. use them because they're they're so late to our season. But right. I mean, you start to see kids in the hallway, and then there's new faces in the hallway every day, and you see kids, and you're like, hey man, next year, I'm gonna keep an eye on your grades. What's your name? And you, and you kind of start making those introductions so that when we kick off our off season program late December, early January, we're already got new faces in the door that can add to the roster you've already made a cut but you've never had to make a cut before until this season what was, what was it like to have to make a sit down with your staff and make a cut it was miserable um we had certain expectations and, and the easy ones were uh, some of the kids just yeah you we, kids weed themselves right out. and yeah. kids weed themselves out and, and we had to get through the first two days and after those first two days some kids just didn't show up so those were the easy ones where we just saw their name on paper and kind of all right i don't even know who that is because he hasn't shown up after that, it's it's, it's very difficult because especially since we've never cut before, I've always had like a soft spot in my heart for some of those kids that struggle to make other teams. They struggle academically. They struggle athletically. It's it's hard to be like you're not good enough for us. So we have a conversation with those kids because and, you came in needing those kids, right? And I mean, half two or three of those kids that I can think of would probably be starters on some of my earlier teams. Um, but then you you have a conversation with those kids, kind of tell them what the expectations were, how they didn't meet them, and then you kind of we still are here. Like they were mostly underclassmen. Um, 
We still are going to be monitoring your grades. We still want you to lift with us. If you want to manage, come be a part. And be, be involved. Yeah, still. stay involved. You can come do all the film sessions. And, and I think for the most part, all but one of them are going to be helping out in some facet or another, whether it's holding a camera or managing or doing water or something like that. It's important, yeah, to, right. not just to kick them to the curb and say Right, and, and again, later. it's especially at Frederick, the, the kids there, some of those kids need so much more than we can give, um, especially since we have – hundred other kids have trying to get into the program um and we have a staff of 16 coaches and there's not enough to, of us to go around all the time so they need to be around their teammates and their classmates and some of them are just looking for a a friend group to be a part of but with that that roster number and, and the helmet shortage it was one of the harder coaching days i've ever had yeah uh, well how many are you looking to carry on the varsity if you have 100 kids in the program you'll have a jv team some of the kids will play jv but um right i mean the the <laughs> the upper limit would probably be close to 50 um just because of the uniform set and, and obviously the helmet um issues that we have um right now we're looking like we're going to carry about 46 47 um, we're still kind of working through a couple underclassmen to see what level they fit best at. Kids going both ways in some spots, or yeah, here not, and there. Or, yeah. um, we're trying to filter that out as much as possible, but at the same time, we have very talented kids. It's hard to, it's hard to decide for them and make them make a choice and and kind of make one team suffer because we took a kid off of it. Right. And again, you were begging kids. Everyone had to play both ways. Right. Uh, not that long. Not that long and, ago. And yeah. in the article in the newspaper, they talked about when we scrimmaged uh, Bob Plant in uh, Clarksburg, and we had seventeen kids. And of the seventeen kids, one of them was only a kicker. One of them was only our quarterback, who was very talented. He probably could have played another position, but we he was that type of kid that would take the ball and try and run over somebody and gain that extra yard when it was like you're going to hurt yourself you can't run over a 300 pound lineman at all 155 pounds of Kasaya Barnes he would try um so you got 17 kids but two of them are one position only guys so we really had 15 two-way guys and one kid ended up getting banged up so we left that scrimmage with 14 eligible two-way guys no kidding you lost three kids in that in that very scrimmage because you were telling coach plant who's now your assistant yeah we looked this kid can't be tackled we looked across the sideline or the field at halftime and and they took our quarterback down and our quarterback kind of kind of enforced that because he's a he's an athletic kid and like i said he likes to lower his pads a little bit so we were i was like no no no, coach plant stop stop we can't have it um and then at halftime we look across the field and he was like you want to and i was like you want to go another quarter and he looked at me and was like you can't go another quarter and i looked down my <laughs> sideline all my kids were all gassed out and i was like yeah you're probably right <laughs> so i mean he that clarksburg was a 4a school at the time they had like 70 kids on their sideline it was like all right boys good good work um right. And then we went into another game that later that season that we lost by 10 points. We had, I think, I think we only had 17 dress, and that was against Green Street. And we had to bring three JV kids up in order to, hey, you might play. Like, we're going to try not to play you so you can play your JV game on Saturday, but you might have to play. Um, and one of them was freshman Corey Core, who was a four-year starter for us, ended up with almost 400 tackles. But the other two, one was our quarterback, our JV quarterback, who they didn't have any other options. So if he would have played, it really would have shot us in the foot. And on the first play of the game, Kasaya got thrown out of the game for wearing, not wearing his mouthpiece. So I'm looking down the line, and, and again, you can't play in both games in one week. So I look at the JV quarterback, who's standing there with his eyes as, as big as dinner plates, and I was like, you ready to go in? He was like, uh-uh. So then we put another kid in just to hand the ball off, and then Kasai went in and finished the game. You didn't have you didn't have much choice. I mean, didn't yeah, have, no. right. So now, Coach Plant, Bob Plant, he lives in Frederick, but the fact that he wants to coach at Frederick High, not as the head coach, he he holds, he's happy being your assistant. What what does that say about your program and how far it's come? Um, and when we bring on like Coach Cat and my defensive coordinators is is very similar. When we when I bring on guys like that and and give them big leadership roles, I'm not the type of coach that's gonna micromanage and be like, all right, Bob, this is what you're doing. All right, Pat, this is what you're going to do. I really go hands off, and if they need help, I'll jump in and help out. But it really allows me to give more of a, a program-wide lens and, and, and focus on some of the minor details as well as some of the big picture things. Um, but they do a great job, and, and both of them are, are tremendous coaches. And 
they might have their differences and opinions, but both of them are, are true professionals and they work it out. And sometimes they duke it out scheme wise on the practice field. And it's a lot of fun to watch. And, and the, the trash talking that happens from them is, is actually reminds me a lot of like a college atmosphere where they kind of get fired up and they start changing their play calling a little bit, even if it's scout team versus starting. It's, it's a lot of fun to watch. Co- Co- Coach Plant would intimidate me. I, I wouldn't want to get into a trash talk. I mean, he's, war, a, war he's all him. bark. He's a little guy. <laughs> really? He's um, all bark? Yeah, I've tried to wrestle him once and he ran away. Um, no, nah, but he's, he's you, a lot you, of you fun. Probably just, you probably just bench press him, right, <laughs> yeah. Kevin? <laughs> yeah, he's a lot of fun to be around, and, and he's a great role model for the kids. He's, he's got a great backstory, and, and he, he does our weekly character classes. Um, and he does a great job kind of showing new lessons for the kids that they might not see during the school day in their standard curriculum. They might not see on the football field. They might not see at home. It's just he provides a whole lot of opportunities for to open their eyes a little bit. And then Coach Cadden is a f- more military vet, so he's he's done tours in Iraq. He's done a bunch of things. So he also kind of throws his his little spin on running character classes. And, and, and we teach a whole lot about being a young men and how to grow up and – it's a lot. It's a great culture to be around. The, the kids really gain a lot for it from it more than just football. It makes it tougher to make a lame excuse, right? Like I, yeah, I'm not feeling right, my, be- right. my best today. I, I can't right. practice. And, and today, those are the coach. type of kids yeah. that fizzle out. Like we have, we had a kid that we had to let go earlier this week who sends me a message saying he's got two weeks vacation coming up, and we're like, that doesn't work. Right. Everyone else is going to be out here working. You you got to get it right. Right. And and we're just going to have to move on. And again, two or three years ago, we've been like, okay, see you when you yeah, get back from yeah. vacation, right? We would have had his locker waiting for him, but yeah. And and it's a shame. I I wish it didn't have to happen. But again, it's we got to move forward as a program, and when we have to prepare, and the kids that want to be there and want to win, they deserve the best. Right. I, I was talking to Brandon Brubaker, Frederick High grad, your PA announcer, girls lacrosse coach at the school. Uh, he, he girls the, uh, flag football coach. Flag football coach. He's <laughs> he's the program historian, basically. Yeah, like he yeah. keeps all the stats. Uh, and, and and he was telling he was sharing a story with me last year. Like he would be like, man, you guys set up eight more records, uh, eight more school records. This yeah, week, and the, so. and our team moms wanted to make a shirt about how many records we broke and. And I can't even remember how many. I think it was like 35 school records. It might have been 45. It was a lot. And, and we couldn't afford the shirts. Like, that's how, how much of a records we broke. And, and it was it was a lot of fun to see the records that were churning out and, and the new things that were broken each week. Yeah, but but he said it's been about 20 years since you guys came into a season with expectations like this. And you guys do have, based on last year, legitimate expectations. And, and what comes back, how does it feel to come into a season with real legitimate expectations um i mean we just try and keep our mind focused on this week's focus was winning the depth chart so so some of the kids who think they have a spot automatically usually we post the depth chart in the locker room every single day we haven't started doing that yet um some of the kids who are second third string it's time for you to start earning your earning your spot and start fighting for these spots and i don't it doesn't matter who we scrimmage we need to win the rep we need you to win the depth chart and and that's been the message for the week um as far as expectations i i my biggest concern, honestly, is myself. Like, I don't want to change anything about how we do because of the outside expectations. I want Frederick football to stay the same as it has been for the last couple of years and just kind of roll with that momentum and kind of keep the kids calm and focused on what we've always been doing, and that's keeping our circle close and focusing on Frederick football first. How do you rein it all in, though, and convince the kids that they just can't show up on Fridays and win? You have, you have to work to win, and uh, it's just not going to happen automatically. Yeah, we like to provide that little bit of dose of reality during practice, um, changing the pace and, and trying something new, um, which is hard for coaches that have been successful for a very long time, and, and we've kind of been doing – we've been in good rhythm, especially the last seven or eight weeks of last season. We were kind of exactly the same every single day, and, and the kids got in that routine. And now with new kids and, and new starters and, and new guys all around the program, it's it's hard to just go from exactly the same what we did to a, a new feeling, a new mentality. And and, and there still be will, will be lumps in the road and, and things still need to change. But for the most part, I think they're they're changing for it well. Right. You've had a lot of talented kids in your seven seasons of Frederick High. Kasai Barnes, who you mentioned, was one of them. Uh, one area where you've really struggled in recent years was in the trenches along the offensive and defensive lines. Last season, that obviously wasn't the case. You probably had your most physically dominant team last year on, on both sides of the ball. A lot of those kids are gone, so everyone might be looking at your team this season and say, how are they going to block again? How, how are they going to 
stop the run and stuff like that how, how do you answer that question our line has been working since february they're the most they're the hardest working group that that we've ever had like uh, of all the teams that we've ever coached those 10 11 12 kids that we have playing the offensive line are the most dedicated they're the first ones in the door the last ones out um they're they're texting coach plant questions on the weekends they're calling me asking questions they're calling coach cat and they're they're constantly working and and I think two or three of them have varsity experience, so that that's helpful. Um, but they're just they're nonstop, and and they they work their butts off in the weight room. They they work their butts off. They they meet privately and do workouts together up until the season started. So they've been. Yes, we're we're um, going to have to change a little bit of what we do just to figure out what our what our kind of role is for the team. But they're not my biggest concern because they just I know that they're going to continue to work hard and continue to grow and get better every single game. Right. It's a major oversimplification, but really it's at the end of the day on offense, it's just finding five guys that can get in the way of right. other guys. Right. And then we got running backs like Tay and Josh and, and Abdul and these guys that only need is one block and, and they can make something special happen. So if we can just kind of use that that line to, to take a step each week, get a little better each practice each day, then, then we'll be – People are going to be surprised how, how much we resemble what we were last year. Will your offensive guys on the line start on the defensive line as well, or some maybe? or um, Two, maybe one or two right now. And, and, again, things are going to change so much between now and the season. Um, if I had to guess, I'd say one of those five would. but And, and who knows? We do Our defensive line coach does a great job rotating those guys. Um, Coach Plant does a good job of keeping guys fresh, and and again, those kids know each position on the offensive line, so we could rotate through there if we needed to. Right. How will you stop the run this year? Because you you play in the same county as a great running team like Lignor and, and and others. Well, we I mean we still have a, the the scheme that we run still circles around Josh Hayward being one of the better nose guards that I've ever seen, and and he was all state last year. Um, we got a couple big so linebackers. He's, he's back, yeah. yeah. Um, Couple good linebackers. We have Jaden Koa. We have Sean Smith. Two guys that are um, Jaden's new to us this year. Sean's back with us this year because Sean was at uh he was with us freshman sophomore year, um, and now he's back. And and these are two thumpers, two kids that are probably bigger than Core was, and and just about as smart. Core was a little faster. Um, so we got two thick guys inside. We got Openi and Ponce, who was an outside backer for us, started um, most of the games last year. So we, we got some size in there and some guys that. Um, we weren't afraid to hit last year, but these guys are they're thumpers. They're ready to go. When people think of your uh, football team, they often uh, think of uh, Trayvon Neal, uh, who had a uh, fantastic season last year, scored a touchdown in just about every way that you, you could score a touchdown. Um, what have you seen from Trayvon so far in practice and just so, sort of where are you steering him for this season? Um, we've been trying, we've been working on his role as a leader and developing him as a leader. Now he's, he's a great leader as far as a, a, a teammate to these guys. Um, we want him to be a little more directive. So we've been kind of bouncing him around a little bit, trying to try him in different positions where he can have a broader impact. Um, and he's even taking scout team reps just so he can kind of coach up the offensive guys and, and get in their ear and bug them if he has to and, and coach them up when he has to. And he's, He's kind of taken on a mentor role as as well as a big leadership role, and and he's still he's faster than he's ever been. He's more athletic than he's ever been. He's he's a little taller. He's a little thicker. He's he's ready to go. How has he grown as a leader? Um, before he was, he's his, he's matured so much, and and this is a young man whose maturity has always been kind of his his biggest positive trait. But he's he's still a 16, 17 year old kid up to this point where he's he'll have his moments where he's complaining a little bit and and this is too hard and and that. But now he's front of the pack today. He's finishing every single sprint, even though he's not the fastest kid on our program. Um, so he's he's really grown from every angle. Again, it, with his personality and and the way he talks to teachers and administrators around his building, you know that he's a very mature kid. But just seeing the growth and, and how much further he has come is, is very impressive. It seems like he's very aware of what this team is able to accomplish and what, what's at stake this season. He's, he's very aware of that. And, and, again, he's been holding his teammates very accountable. He's been um, – he'll, he'll jump down a kid's throat when they don't show up for things when they're supposed to. He'll be the first guy to pick somebody up after coach tears them down. He'll be the first guy to, to help up a teammate who gets knocked down. He'll be the first guy to pat somebody on the back and say, don't worry about it, you'll get it next time. So – I mean, he's he's really full circle with it. 
I'm not sure there was a player that opened more eyes than Tay Anderson last year. There, not a lot of people knew a lot about him. Uh, maybe in people that don't follow Frederick County football uh, super closely on, on on the youth levels, especially. But but fantastic season for Tay last year. Just what are your expectations for him this year? I think we, and and I don't want to jinx it, but I think we just scratched the surface with what he was able to do last year. Um, we started out with Chris Mativia, who was a great running back, but at, at a certain point, Tay just started to kind of outplay him, and, and Chris had a bigger role in defense that we needed him more for. Um, so having Tay's ability at running back, we were able to focus Chris on defense. Um, and, and I think he's just – Tay has grown, same sort of deal. He's been in the weight room every single day. He's put on 10 pounds. He's he, he's learned the offense a whole lot better. His, he's – He's going to be fun to watch this did, year. Did you expect what you got from Tay last year? Watching him in youth league, I, I didn't expect it last year. Well, his freshman year, we had that COVID season, and he got hurt. He had a pretty nasty sprained ankle. We only played four games. He played in two of them, and I think both those games he had 100 rushing yards as a freshman. So we're watching this, and even against Linganore, and, and we were not that good that year, but he was putting a hurting on some of them, and, and he was impressing us then. And then his sophomore year last year, we knew it was kind of – we. We thought he'd be a little slower developing than he was, um, but it didn't impress any. It didn't surprise anybody because in practice he does all that stuff as well. Right. Uh, coaches always love it when their quarterbacks uh, return. You, you need someone to, to run the offense and hold everything together. You have a returning quarterback this year in uh, Brian uh, Mabuthia. Mm-hmm. Brian is uh, – and I've said it to a couple of college coaches. I've never seen an arm like that. Like he effortlessly can zing that ball about 70 yards and make it whistle like a Nerf football. It's It's very impressive. Um, his biggest challenge was trying to work on on uh, just the basic parts that he kind of overlooked because of how talented he was, um, kind of turning back the tides a little bit, bringing in a new coach for him, Dame Wallace, who's going to be coaching quarterbacks. Um, he's alumni. He was a great quarterback when he played. Um, so having somebody who, who can be a little more, this is what, like he can show him what to do. I mean, I coached quarterbacks for a week or two last year. I can only throw the ball about seven yards because of my shoulders. Um, but... Brian, it's all that bench pressing you do. Yeah, yeah. It hurts the throwing arm. <laughs> um, but Brian has done a great job. Um, and, and even the last couple of weeks, he's really stepped up as a leader. And, and typically the quarterback is the leader. But Brian's a, he's kind of a quiet kid, and he's a kid that just wants to get the work done and get out. Um, but he's really kind of stepped up. He's been impressive this week. Great athlete, but I, I look at him as more of a pocket sort of quarterback, right? He, he's, not, yeah. he's not a run for his quarterback, even though he can run. He would prefer to stay in the pocket, and, and he catches people off guard every now and then, and he's pulled some down in practice where we're like, oh, well, I guess he's got a little faster this year. And he's got that – he's about 6'2", six, 6'3". Six, he's got that stride length that people don't really account for. Right. When, when you have a player like him, it keeps everyone else in their lanes. Like right. you, don't, you don't have to compensate for not having a quarterback, right? right. <laughs> like, like Trayvon doesn't have to take snaps at quarterback uh, like on, on, a, on a lesser team he might have to just doesn't have to but hands. he tries to every now and then and okay. we got to kick him out and say get out of the way <laughs> but 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 if you don't have a, if you don't have the quarterback you might you, you have to say man we have to get the ball in Trayvon's right so you put him behind center and all of a sudden he's sort of out of he's out of position right and, and out of his lane so to speak we've been there before in our offenses just trying to put the best athlete back there and see what can happen but we're we're lucky to have Brian this year, and and we're excited for. I mean, he had some school records as well, so we can see what he can do this year. Right. Uh, what what are the big question marks in your mind about this group? Um, just how far the offensive line grows. I don't think that's news to anybody. Um, and then just how we can continue to, if we keep being successful like we were, how do we handle that? Um, our our kids were very humble, very down to earth, and very focused on what we do last year. Um, I think that we can do the same thing, but you never know. I mean, with our school size growing and the expectations of their students around them, and, and that's the question, Marks, is can we just continue growing like we have been? And, and I think we can. I think we have so far, but um, it'll be a question mark each week as, as to if that's truly the case, if we're continuing to grow. How much discussion do you allow about last last season? Up until last Wednesday, they could talk as much as they want. After last Wednesday, the first words out of our mouth in our first meeting was, the 2022 cadets have not accomplished anything yet. So 2022 Frederick football has not accomplished anything yet. These coaches in this room who have a great history, none of that matters. The players in this room, state, state, uh, state-ranked state players, none of that matters anymore. We need to focus on this year, and we haven't done anything yet. Right. And when you look around the county, I mean, you know, playing football in this county uh, for the – seven now going into eight years that you've done it you, you know how talented the teams are in this area well, what do you what do you see when you look around the county uh this time around 
I mean, I, I see growth out of every single team. I, I see a lot of teams that had some young players in some tough places for us matchup-wise. Um, I, I see some teams that are growing. I see some teams that are consistently getting better and better. And, and even some of the teams that didn't do so great last year, you can see some of their, their shiny spots and, and how they're growing. And you, you see them in seven-on-seven seven all throughout the summer. You see them in, in social media posts and Twitter, and you see them working, and you're like, I, I've gained a new appreciation for the coaches that have that are not so successful yet and the coaches that are successful just kind of seeing both sides of it sitting back and being like well they're doing all the right things so it'll come and with every school growing and and pushing like record enrollment there's naturally just going to be more good players right right and and you hope that that cream rises to the top and and that the best 11 are on the field and and yeah what are you looking forward to the most about the season oh man um I don't know. Just the the respect that we got is like the middle of the season and on last year, um, after we we won some tough games and after we won against some opponents that no one saw. Our student section was huge. The support in the school was amazing. Could could have beat Middletown, right? One one, one of the games we lost. Last uh, yeah, we year. lost by yeah. two points, and that yeah. and that kind of that game put us on the map. I, I don't know that our kids believe that we were going to win that game or be close. And at halftime, our kids are looking at each other with their eyes were huge, and they're like, "Are we actually winning this game?" Like they were so. They shock themselves. It's sort of like the old Looney Tunes cartoon where where uh, Wiley e. Coyote like sort of runs off the cliff and he keeps running until he realizes that, yeah. that there's no more ground underneath his feet. So yeah, and, and and I think we played ourselves into a great game there, and then I think we kind of played ourselves out of it where we made our mistakes and and Middletown was a great team and and I think we we let them off the hook a little bit, um, but I think we had them in a great spot and a great opportunity for us and. At the time, our kids just they didn't know how to win yet, and and now after experiencing a lot of what we experienced last year, I think they're they're ready to to win some of those t- tougher games. Yeah, now when Middletown comes to town uh, this this season, you're gonna think you could win that game. I hope so. Um, yeah, right. we haven't seen a whole lot of them yet. They don't participate in our summer seven on seven. You hear good things about every team. You hear tough things about every team, and they got that Carson Smith over there, who's a solid football player, and we've seen him work out a little bit this off season and. He's all committed to Army, so there's they have a lot of positives in their program too. So we're are, we're not going to take anybody lightly, and we're we're already kind of taking a peek at what our first our our first second scrimmage looks like. We're taking a peek at what our first game looks like, and trying to kind of get a feel for what we need to prepare for. Right. Yeah. And you guys weren't wiped off the field at all last year by anyone. I mean, mm-hmm. yeah, you, Ligonor got you twice, but but you were in both those games. Yeah, and, and a couple of things that go either direction. I mean, really for the first game, it was – Goal line stand that you didn't get. So, yeah. yeah and, and I think, again, that was another game where our, our, our students, our student athletes didn't think that we were going to win that one. And we play ourselves into a quarter where they're like, oh, I hope it's not too late. And they start gearing up and, and start playing hard and – at a certain point, it is too late. And then that second one, that playoff run, we were, we were so banged up. That that Franklin football game we played was the most physical, high impact, aggressive high school football game I've ever seen in my life. And I think just about every kid on our team limped off the field in that game. And and whether it was soreness, a bum ankle, a hurt knee here and there, it was that was one of the most hard fall games I've ever seen. Well, was that your best win as a coach? Probably, your, your, yeah. Your, 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 fav- your favorite win? Yeah, yeah. by far. Um, and then after that, we had to go in and see Linganore, and, and we Corey Kaur was out that next game, and Josh Hayward hadn't practiced all week, and Trayvon hadn't practiced that week. Like we were so banged up. Good luck stopping that running game. Yeah, yeah. it was it was tough. Um, but I mean, I'm proud of what the kids did last year, and again, hopefully, we can learn from it and, and continue to grow. Right. How much are you benching these days, Coach Perry? Oh, I'm not doing a whole lot of that. Um, so I, I hit my record, and then uh, I'm actually down about 50 pounds. Um, just trying to rehab and get my shoulders and elbows so I'm not in pain every single night. But. Is it because of all the lifting, the shoulders and yeah. elbows are screaming? Or Yeah. Um, and just I, I got to I, – at the time when I broke that record, I was You were like, almost, what, 600 pounds? I, was, I hit 585 in training for that in, in my house and okay. with my wife in the other rooms. I was okay. like, hey, if, you, if you're a crash, call 911. <laughs> yeah, that would, that would not be good to have yeah. that much weight fall on top of you. But at that point, it was, all right, I made it. And, and the whole week leading up to that meet, for some reason, the only thing that popped up on my phone was videos of people tearing their pecs when they were benching, like big benchers tearing their pecs. And I was just so mortified of that. Maybe if I wasn't so gun-shy about that, I probably could have hit a bigger number. But after that meet, I was like, I'm it getting – in your head, right? Yeah, I'm getting out of this meet. I'm getting out of powerlifting without any major surgeries required. This might be my, my golden ticket to walk on out of here. So 
kind of made some, I wouldn't say lifestyle changes because I still love to lift and I still lift. It's just my, my style of lifting isn't the same anymore. And then after that, I, I finished my master's degree, um, spent a whole lot more time with my family than I ever have. And, and football has been more fun and more intense than ever because we've been able to dedicate a little bit more time to yeah, it. Yeah, your, your hard work is paying off, as, as, as they say. You're seeing the fruits of all, all, all your foundation that you laid and stuff like that. So right. do you have any aspiring power lifters in your football program? Um, Every year you get a couple of kids that just, yeah, I'm, I'm coming for your record, coach. And I'm like, all right. <laughs> um, and, and we got some really strong kids, and, and none of them really have a full scope of what powerlifting looks like because – I mean, the way we train isn't for powerlifting. Um, we train for all athletics. So we're training in explosion. We're training in and – and I'll throw a curveball at them where we'll try a powerlifting meet, and then we'll try a CrossFit competition. Like, we try and vary it up. That's that's one thing that I've learned is you always want to vary the, the training and, and training myself and some of the kids that we work out with every single day. It's try something new, and, and one, you might like it, and two, if nothing else, it's going to shock your body and give you an alternate angle that you may not have hit before. How, how many kids really think they're strong, but then reality sets in and they realize they're not maybe as strong as, as they thought they were? <laughs> uh, about 60%. 60%. Yeah, yeah. most of them. Like, and, and you just – I've been born – I was born to bench. I've been benching since I was in sixth grade. Um, in seventh grade, I was cut from the basketball team because I was no longer the tall kid, which I have never been since. Um, but that basketball coach in seventh grade told me, Focus on football. If you do 100 push-ups a night, you're going to be the strongest kid. And I did that for about a year. And my eighth grade lifting year, I benched 265 for my first max out. And I walk in the weight room now, and I got kids like, yeah, coach, I just hit 225. And I'm like, good job, buddy. Like, right. That's, that's, and for some kids, like yeah. when I first started, again, we're back to our 17 kids in, in my first couple of years. You look down the line of racks, and you see 25s on each side of the bar all the way down to the point where this year I look down there, and I see – 45 and 25 is the minimum all the way down the racks. And I'm like, all right, I'm starting to feel good again. Now, like, now I have a football program. Yeah, now we're, so. we're talking real football instead of, like, just fast kids who think they lift a little bit. So, And, again, we've had some great lifters over the years, but just the, the average number of the group has gone up so much in all the lifts. So it, it's that's also been a lot of fun to watch. Do you encourage kids to max out, or do you, do you, do you mix in, like, you want to rep this weight? Or, or? We, we, try and, we try and do a max out in December. Um, so that we kind of get their preliminary numbers um, and then they get the whole winter break off and then we start a six-week cycle so we'll do six weeks and then they max out again probably like mid-February depending on how it times up mid to late February and then we'll max out again at the end of the school year and then the summertime I've done different programs where we we max out at, at weird things or multiple things at different days or we did one program for six weeks where we maxed out every single day on a different lift or it was like, today we're doing your six rep max on incline bench, and we're just trying to push numbers and get kids motivated about their numbers. Again, some of those early years when kids were only benching 95 pounds, you'd ask kids, hey, what's your what's your max squat? And they wouldn't be able to tell me. Like, to me, that number is burned into my brain. I could tell you almost every max number I've ever had. And, um, and you're talking just one rep of whatever you can yeah, do, right? And, yeah, and – some for some of them to be like I don't know like what do you mean I don't know that's a number that you need to know as a young man as a an egotistical adolescent male you should know exactly what your numbers are um, but again that's all changed because we've had some kids that are very proud of their numbers uh, Sean Mullican a former Middletown player is doing worlds he's doing like strongman stuff have you ever thought about pulling cars or uh, flipping uh, huge tractor tires yeah. and stuff like that I mean I've, I've done some of that training before I've never competed in it um, and the leverages required for that are of a six foot three plus man and then um, Sean, Sean's a tall guy at, at yeah. five foot nine I don't have the I mean my arms I'm built like a dinosaur I'm built for bench press so that's pretty much what I stick yeah, to that, 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 that's your that's your bread yeah, and butter yeah. right there so well, Kevin, thanks for coming in, man. Thanks uh, for having I, me. I really appreciate it. Uh, looking forward uh, to watching your team this season. It's going to be a talented group. Should be another fun season, and we'll see if you could take the next step or two. Right? Hope so. We'll see. Right. So, Kevin Perry, uh, uh, great thanks, uh, Frederick High football coach. Uh, look forward, like I said, to watching the cadets play this season. Uh, thanks to all of you for joining us this week on the final score. Thanks, as always, to Graham Collin for uh, putting this all together and producing. And uh, we'll be back as we uh, continue our look and our countdown to the Frederick County football season. Stay with us here. Have a great week, everyone.